Thanks, Carl. Today's reading comes from Hebrews chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. Jesus, the great high priest. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Thanks, Simon. Good morning, everyone. Uh, if I haven't met you before, my name's Jack. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and welcome to everyone, especially if you're new or visiting this morning. Um, yeah, and especially if you're here to take part in the, uh, in the dedication uh, of Benji. Uh, this morning. What an encouraging uh, thing to be able to take part in as a church and as friends and family of Benji today. Um, Really, uh, my prayer for Benji this morning, and my prayer for all of us, uh, actually, is that we know uh, one one great truth, a great confidence that we can have that we're looking at this morning uh, in the passage in Hebrews chapter 4. And I hope that we all walk out of the room this morning uh, knowing and remembering this. Uh, It's that Jesus is the high priest we need, So let us hold firmly to the faith we profess and let us have confidence to approach God in our need. There's great confidence in this passage, great assurance today that we're going to unpack and look at together. Um, But my brother and I, we we have a friend called called Davo. Davo's popped up in a few stories, a few sermon illustrations of mine. Now, the um, the family joke is that Davo is the favourite son. If you've been here for a while, you'll know that, right? He's he's the favourite son. He's the one who can do no wrong in my parents' eyes. There's been a bit of debate as to whether this is a joke, um, but there's no hard feelings, right? He's a good egg. He's a good egg. Uh, Now, when we were younger, my brother and I, we weren't allowed to watch The Simpsons. And we'd been trying to convince mum and dad for so, so long that we should be allowed to watch The Simpsons. All our friends watched The Simpsons. We thought we should be able to watch The Simpsons too, but our pleas always fell on deaf ears. Uh, But Davo, beloved Davo, he could do no wrong in mum and dad's eyes. So one day, Sam encouraged Davo uh, to go to mum and dad on our behalf, so that they might, they might let us watch The Simpsons. Davo would act as our representative, he'd plead our case for us, and Sam believed that it would work, because Davo was the favourite. Uh, Barb and Clint, Davo said, you really should let us watch The Simpsons. Right? Like the usual response was surely coming, right? This wasn't going to work, there was no way. It was ridiculous to hope for anything else. We'd tried before, brought all of our arguments to bear, our best arguments to bear, engaged in countless debates, and it never worked. We couldn't do it. But Davo, the favourite son who can do no wrong, said, Barb and Clint, you really should let us watch The Simpsons. And somehow, half an hour later, three very happy boys sat on a couch in front of the TV watching The Simpsons. Davo represented Sam and I before mum and dad, and his actions worked. He was able to, on our behalf, convince mum and dad to let us do that. And uh, David grew up, actually, and went on to become a lawyer, uh, which is great. Uh, but this morning, what I, what I want us to see is this, like what I said before. Jesus is the high priest we need, so let us hold firmly to the faith we profess and let us have confidence to approach God in our need. Um, who, who just put your hand up? Who's ever woken up and thought, man, I really need a coffee? Anyone? heaps of people, like this morning even, great, I'm with you. Who's ever woken up and thought, oh, I really need more sleep? Yep. Who's ever woken up and gone, oh, I really need to get up, panic? 
Anyone? Yep, slept through the alarm. Who's ever woken up and thought, man, today I really need a high priest? Like, it's not the direction our minds usually go in, right? But the role of a high priest uh, is to, like Davo represented Sam and I before our parents, the role of a high priest in the Old Testament in the Bible was to represent people before God, to be a go-between between two parties in order to bring peace, in order to restore relationship. And, you know, we, we need Jesus to restore our relationship with God. Jesus is the high priest we need, the only one we need. So let us hold firmly to the faith we profess and let us have confidence to approach God in our need. Uh, you'll see if you have an outline in your leaflet that it says three points there. The first is a great high priest. The second should say, let us hold to the faith we profess. I think it might say, say confess, but profess um, in your leaflets. And thirdly, let us approach God with confidence. So firstly, a great high priest. Now, verse 14 this morning says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Now, the very first word of verse 14 links to a bigger idea that we were looking at last week together in Hebrews chapter 4. Last week we looked at uh, how God wants us with him in the world to come. He wants us with him in the world to come, uh, but how sin stops us from being able to dwell with him. See, the therefore in verse 14 is flowing on from that idea. Now, sin at its core, its rejection of God's place in our lives, its refusal to live in God's world the way God tells us to live. And if you were with us last week, you might remember we talked about uh, how we all have hearts that stray away from the truth of who God is as the one we should love and the one we do need. Instead, we love the things God created instead. Things like money and power and sex and relationships and having heaps of stuff. We reject God and put those other things in his place to live for. And because of this, we can't have fellowship with God. I can't have a relationship with money uh, as my God and with God as my God. He's an exclusive God. I can only choose one of those things. Uh, but we all at different points have chosen to reject God uh, and have chosen sin. Because of this, we don't deserve to have fellowship with God. We deserve to be treated like his enemies. And there's a punishment involved. We actually deserve to face his wrath and his anger. And there's, there's actually no way to sugarcoat that. So we deserve to be shut out from his presence forever because we chose that when we said to him, I don't want you. And last week's passage in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, kind of drove that home a bit. I read there, it should be hopefully on the screen, uh, that nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Uh, so we stand before God, everything is on display, there's nothing that's hidden, and we must give account. So what do we do with that? I mean, picture standing in some sort of cosmic courtroom, uh, you and God, with everything you've ever done, just fully on display before him. It's a pretty scary thought. Uh, well, the author of Hebrews in verse 14 of chapter 4 reminds us that we have a high priest in Jesus, God's own son, who right now is seated next to God, acting as your representative. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, 
as we kind of said at the start, the role of a high priest was to go before God on behalf of the Israelites and offer a sacrifice that would mean that God's wrath and anger wasn't poured onto the Israelites because of their sin, but was instead turned aside. But it was a system that didn't deal with sin once and for all. The Israelites could never fully dwell in the presence of God because they kept on sinning. The sacrifice couldn't take away sins. But here's what makes Jesus the the great high priest. We read in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 to 14 on the screen, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, one, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he took all of our sin onto himself. The perfect sacrifice, everything, he took onto his shoulders and he put it to death. Once and for all, he took away our sin by facing the judgment we deserve to face in our place. He's the high priest who offered for all time one sacrifice for sins. It's done. It's finished. I just picture a courtroom. And you're in that courtroom before God to give an account for the way you've lived. With all your sin and all the bad things you've done just on display before him. Every bad thought you've had, every uh, deed you thought was done in secret on display for everyone to see. Uh, And God looks at you uh, and you know, he knows, the verdict is guilty. There's no defence you can make for your actions, no payment you can make that will be sufficient to do away with that guilt. Uh, the penalty is death, and you know you're going to face that penalty. But then someone stands up and they walk over to the judge and they say, let me face what they deserve instead. Every single part of it, let me take it onto myself and let them be innocent. See, this is what Jesus has done. And God has accepted his sacrifice once and for all. He is the high priest who goes before God and offers up the sacrifice on our behalf. That works for all time. See, Jesus doesn't have to do this again. He only had to do it once. And now we read he continues in his role as our high priest, interceding on our behalf, even now our great representative, so that when God looks at us, He doesn't see people who deserve his wrath and anger and judgment, but he sees what we read about in Hebrews 2, verse 11, a few weeks ago. He sees Jesus' brothers and sisters. He sees those whose sins have been dealt with. He sees people who can draw near to dwell with God in the world to come uh, as his children. And it's all because of Jesus who sits at his right hand, who invites us close. Who else could you trust in to do that? Point two, let us hold to the faith we profess. Uh, Since we know Jesus is the only one who can save us from our sin, the author of Hebrews is saying here, uh, let's hold to our faith in him as the only one who can save us from our sin and let's not believe any other way is possible to do this. It's only through faith in Jesus that you're saved. For the Christians this letter was written to, they were under pressure to revert to the old sacrificial system. They were tempted to revert to Judaism because life was hard for them. 
They were being persecuted for being Christians. They were social outcasts because they were Christians and they would have found life a lot easier if they reverted to their old ways and the old way of doing things. But the author of Hebrews says, you know Jesus is the only high priest, is the great high priest who can act on your behalf before God and make you right with him. So you need to put your faith in him, not in any other. There's no other way. Keep persevering and trusting in him. Uh, For us today, the danger probably isn't to put our trust in the old sacrificial system, but we could be sucked into believing that there are other things we need to do in order to be made right with God. What makes you right with God? It's not that you go to church on a Sunday, it's not that you read your Bible, it's not that you give generously to church, it's not that you go to youth group on a Friday night, it's that you trust in Jesus, the only one who can make you right with God. You trust in Him to deal with your sin on your behalf, you trust in Him to bring you back to God for eternity. You know of your desperate need for forgiveness and you know that it's only found through the loving, merciful and faithful high priest, Jesus. You are made right with God only through Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you're hearing this stuff for the first time. If that's you, know that you can have a relationship with the God who created you. And it's through faith in Jesus as the only one who can deal with the barrier currently separating you and God. You can either trust in what he's done on your behalf or you can trust in your own ability to restore your relationship with God. Only one of those is going to work. We'd love to talk to you more about that though, so please come and talk to myself or Carl or any staff here. Let us know on the communication cards uh, that are around you if that's the case. We might not have all the answers to your questions, but we'd, we'd love to sit and think through some of those questions with you. So the most important questions that you'll ever ask about who Jesus is and why you do need him. Now, many of us would, would have heard by now the really, really sad news uh, that yesterday a pastor, a scholar and teacher who many of us have benefited uh, from listening to over the years passed away. Uh, Tim Keller, who's been unwell for a while now, uh, he went to be with our Lord. Um, many of us know myself are grieving, we know his family are grieving. But his son released this comment online about his father's passing. Uh, He said, Timothy J. Keller, husband, father, grandfather, mentor, friend, pastor and scholar, died this morning at home. Uh, Dad waited until he was alone with mum. She kissed him on the forehead and he breathed his last breath. And he said this, we take comfort in some of his last words. He said, there is no downside for me leaving, not in the slightest. See you soon, Dad. Uh, There's no downside for me leaving, not in the slightest. What could give someone the confidence uh, in the face of death to say words like these? What could give someone comfort in the face of death? I think it's knowing the one who has made it possible for us to be with God into eternity in the world to come. Our great high priest, Jesus, who when those who trust in him stand before God, uh, says, this is my brother, this is my sister, they are innocent, I've paid the price for them and they are coming home. There is no downside for me leaving, not in the slightest. There is no confidence in any legacy left behind in the world, 
Uh, there's no confidence in great works and achievements made in this lifetime. It's a confidence in Jesus, our great high priest. It's a confidence we can have as well if we trust in Jesus. It's a confidence that means we can draw close to God even now. It's point three, let us approach God with confidence. Uh, verse 16 says, let us then approach God's throne of confidence, sorry, throne of grace uh, with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Uh, if, if you need help with building a house, um, do you go to the person who builds cars? You don't, you ask the person who builds houses. If you need help to paint the house, do you ask the person who writes poetry? Uh, no, you ask the person who paints for help. Uh, verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, uh, yet he did not sin. If you need help when you're tempted by sin, if you need help when you have sinned, who do you go to? Go to the one who never gave in to sin, but who can help you in your struggle against yours. Go straight to Jesus in dependence on him. Straight to God. Jesus is the most tempted human being of all time. He's not someone who stands there and thinks, oh, like they're struggling again. They're struggling with the same sin as before. He gets it. Jesus has struggled with temptation on a scale we never have before. Uh, we have struggled with sin. We might resist, resist, resist and resist, uh, but we've all given in before. Uh, Jesus struggled with temptation and resisted, 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 resisted and never gave in. Came before God as the perfect sinless sacrifice. See, he gets it. He's been in your shoes. He knows the struggle at the worst the struggle could possibly be. And he calls you to come to God with confidence, to receive mercy, not judgment, and grace to help us in our great need when we are fighting the temptation to sin and when we have sinned. See, through Jesus we have open access to God, to come before him, to speak to him whenever we want the God of the entire universe, we can, we can talk to him and he hears, we can ask him for help and he hears. But it can feel a bit like having a friend who owns a restaurant, I think, sometimes. You know, um, when you know someone who works in a restaurant or a cafe or maybe, maybe owns one and they say, hey, come visit, come and visit, food is on the house for you, come and visit. And the first time you do it, uh, it feels fine, like you really appreciate their generosity, don't you? And you eat all the food. Uh, but the second time you visit, you might be a little bit less expectant. I mean, did they really, did they really mean it? Like, again? But the third time you visit, you actually just try to pay under the radar, like slip the credit card kind of over the counter. By the fourth visit, you're actually hiding from them and you're, you're paying, like, at the till undercover or in a disguise, right? Then, then there's no fifth visit. You just go and eat somewhere else because it feels a bit too awkward about, uh, or too awkward to go there again. You're kind of thinking, like, surely their generosity has a limit. I can't do this again. I think we sometimes have the same attitude toward God, uh, to say, I can't come before God struggling with sin again. I can't speak to God and expect Him to care because I keep stuffing up. I've done it again. I don't know if that's you this morning, 
Uh, But what these verses in Hebrews 4, verse, verse 16 are saying is that you can come before God with confidence with his very presence. And he will show mercy in the face of your struggle with temptation. He gets it. And he shows grace. He helps in our struggle against temptation. It doesn't mean he takes it all away. But he's with us in it. And it's not just a one-time thing for us. Uh, We don't need to save the times we can come before God confidently in prayer and supplication to, you know, cash in when the time is right. We have complete access. We can speak to our God and He hears us. And He wants us, always. See, we have access through Jesus, the High Priest who is able to represent us before God and who is doing that right now. See, Jesus is the high priest we need to let us hold firmly to the faith we profess and let us have confidence to approach God in our need. Where do you turn to in your need when you're struggling against sin? Now, there are really good things that we can turn to. We turn to friends for help. It's a really great thing. We turn to actively running away from sin. It's an excellent thing. Uh, We try and distract ourselves as well. Really often we do all these things, uh, but, but do you turn to God in your need? I think we often do all of those things first and, and then think, actually, maybe I should pray and ask God for help. Maybe, if he's, if he's happy to listen. But the author of Hebrews is encouraging us uh, to make him the first port of call. He's saying we, we come before God with confidence all the time. We can talk to him all the time. We can know that God listens all the time. We can know that Jesus gets what you're going through and gets the temptation. It has made it possible for you not just to draw close to God once, but forever. Because he's dealt with your sin. And he continues to help you in your fight not to give in to temptation. He continues to intercede on your behalf when you do. Because his sacrifice was once and for all. In your desire to follow Jesus, remember, Jesus is the high priest we need. So let us hold firmly to the faith we profess and let us have confidence to approach God in our need. He'll never turn you away. So go to him again and again, whether that's for the first time, to say, God, please forgive me for the way I've been living against you. Or if it's the hundredth time, to say, please forgive me, I messed up again. Whether it's the first time to say, please help me, this is really hard. Or the hundredth time to say, please help me, this is really hard.